this is Leisha. And this is Steph. And you're listening to Trashbacks Podcast. in the morning and it is raining out today it's been raining all week how is it where you are it's 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 hot it's extremely cloudy it's supposed to rain so it gets ex- it's extremely hot and humid right before it rains and pours and it's about 8 12 at night evening i guess you could say in bangalore india Okay, classic. I'm starting my day. You're ending yours. Mm-hmm. Time for a chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not ex- exhausted from the day at all. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not just eat a full slice of cake for breakfast so it could give me sh- energy for the day. Yes. Not at she all. Knows help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on on uh, this uh, beautiful planet Earth? Well, as we all know, that um, the world is on fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what is new? <laughs> well, what's new? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ice caps are melting. It's getting hotter. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. If, I don't really think that's new. I think that's just maybe people are starting to pay more attention to it now. Mm. Uh, thankfully, because they've ignored it for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, which is like kind of wild. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Like for yourself, do you remember the first time that you like had a conversation or like brought into the idea of global warming or climate change as it's now called or like any of that sort of idea? I think it started with disciplining my family, and you know, um, sort of when I started getting exposed to these ideas in school and through television and media, I would actually try and apply it in my life. And I noticed that my family wouldn't follow it, or you know, they wouldn't understand the ideas of of all the damage we're causing. So I would start with little things like do not throw litter on the streets, you know, because it's so common to do that in India. And then they stopped doing that. And then I completely boycotted McDonald's and KFC and these kind of fast food chains after watching this uh, documentary on McDonald's. And then and then I forced them to boycott it and I forced them to follow my ways as well. But then I was like, what's the point of doing all this? And I, I just gave in to things. And then they would teach me. They they were like, uh, I thought you boycotted McDonald's. Why, why the hell are you eating there? And I'm like, mind your own business, please. <laughs> what yeah. about you? Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to, like, maintain such a perfect, like, regulated, regimented lifestyle around these things sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, being gentle with yourself is definitely important. And... McDonald's making the changes is more important than, or not more important, because, like, obviously individual change is important, but, like, McDonald's needs to be the one to step up. It shouldn't 
just fall on your shoulders and your family's shoulders because yeah that's that doesn't even make any sense <laughs> um, yeah sometimes yeah. a girl just wants a mcflurry man <laughs> <laughs> i feel you yeah. i feel you for sure um the first time i was exposed to it that i like remember was it was definitely in elementary school we watched al gore's um oh my gosh what was the movie called it wasn't just called climate crisis but it was like very much like a climate crisis movie and Mm -hmm. i don't know i was probably in like grade seven and it was the first of its kind that i had ever seen like i i didn't grow up watching like planet earth i don't even know when those came out (laughs) (laughs) um yeah my family's always been pretty green and like we've always had a home compost bin like in our backyard before composting was ever brought to our area and like we definitely were the ones to like would talk to and like kind of like teach other people I guess like how to use it properly mm-hmm. which sounds very like eco green hippie of me when I think of it like as like a child teaching other children how to compost but <laughs> I it didn't feel like that at the time and like I've always been really big on recycling and like I've definitely as a child was like an annoying little brat to my like I grew up neighbors with my family mm-hmm. with my cousins and was like was like why do you guys have so many garbage bags like you should be recycling half of that like I was definitely 1000% that child <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I don't know I've I guess I just like always kind of found it a little bit fascinating and then like as I grew up I learned that like oh this isn't an interesting hobby this is the like how to help the world live longer I don't know I don't know how to phrase that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah I guess Al Gore is definitely the one who like brought it to my attention interesting because isn't Al Gore American he is yes he was what was he He was like the vice president Mm -hmm. or something yeah and then but like he was like such a big voice for it I don't even remember the name of his movie now but it like it kind of like came out and the world was pretty divided in my knowledge at least as like a 14 year old kid the world was like pretty divided as to like wow Al Gore is like really trying to open our eyes right now and like being in this like strong I don't even I don't think he was still vice president when he wrote that I feel like maybe I should just google who he is really quickly yeah no he I think he was any history vice president um but I I don't think he was anymore mm. when he made the movie. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, people seemed, at least from my young mind's perspective, pretty divided as to, like, wow, this is cool, this, like, political person is bringing these things to our attention, or the other half just, like, closed their minds and went, no, this is a lie, this is a rumor, you can't say global warming when other places are getting cold, so clearly this makes no sense and um honestly i think that that is where a lot of people like kind of like you know how sometimes people like get an opinion and then just like they're too stubborn to open their mind and change their opinion Mm -hmm. i think that his movie like kind of was a little bit of the like initiator for that Mm -hmm. of people just being like no he's not a scientist we can't trust him or like yeah, like, the fact that it started off with the name Global Warming and then had to change to climate change mm-hmm. because people couldn't, they couldn't wrap their heads around, like, why is it global warming if Texas is getting snow? Mm-hmm. That's not warmer, that's colder. 
So like yeah. It's very interesting <laughs> because at least in India there is no uh, for or against global warming. There's just people who know about it or there's people who don't know about it. That sort of blows my mind. Like how do you not know about it at this point? Like it's 2021. You know like even like Greta Thunberg or how I don't know how to say her name properly. Um I feel like that's like a household name even when pronounced incorrectly. <laughs> like you know and Mhm. I mean at least in India you have to remember that there's a lot of poor people who are not very educated and who have no knowledge about anything about this they're just going about their lives not making a lot of impact so they have no idea about any of this and it's usually the educated who know about this and either they they give it importance or they don't but nobody is actually denying it you know you know what i mean <laughs> i mean i think i think that's like that's honestly i think like a bit of a better place to be because like ignorance you can teach someone from ignorance mm. but when someone is just in blatant denial and they're being presented with the facts and they're still just in blatant denial then like that person is choosing ignorance yeah you know mm-hmm. and so i think that like ignorance just on the basis of like being literally unaware of these things mm-hmm. i think it's a lot easier to like teach someone and to like come to them from a side of like compassion and being like hey man don't worry like i get it you've never heard these things before and it's might sound really confusing at first but like let's break it down into some small bite-sized pieces and then it's not so scary and it's not so big yeah Uh, you're right yeah Yeah, that's true (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that's my feelings at least Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely Feelings can't be right or wrong. It's just your feelings. <laughs> okay. So another thing is, um, third world countries don't make as much impact as North America does. So the way North America lives, you need probably about three Earths to sustain the amount of resources consumed by them and the amount of trash produced by them and the pollution caused by them. So... Does that mean it's all right. right that we are ignorant about this? Because that we're not so actually making and terrifying. Impact. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean, I think it's best when everyone's informed on everything, but of course I say that being a person who is not informed on everything because that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Um so, like, obviously, impossibility is the best option. Because <laughs> that's the best option for most things. Um, but, I'll... I mean, yeah, like, clearly that means that, like, my world, North America, like, we need to get better at things. <laughs> um, and, like, I think it it even means, like, having conversations and, like, learning how to adopt practices, maybe from your culture or, like, other cultures around the world that are less impactful absolutely yeah yeah just like consider how how are all these other people going about and how have they been going about just fine Mm -hmm. with such a lower impact Mm -hmm. for so long and like i don't know why am i a trash monster who's addicted to paper (laughs) um i remember when i was younger uh, uh i would never waste paper 
it was extremely precious to me i don't know it's just the fact that if uh, it's just the idea of paying money and buying this product i never wanted to kind of burden my parents with spending on me i guess that was one thing and another thing is i it's just it, it's kind of inbuilt in the culture to always um, respect books and knowledge that um, i would use the tiniest little space on the page available i would never waste paper at all and um, this was something uh, i was talking to a friend about she had um, she was homeschooled in africa but then she moved back to canada well she's canadian she moved back to canada i don't know if you're listening my friend <laughs> but if you know who oh, you are i was hi. like yeah I, i can hear you fine you didn't freeze <laughs> <laughs> um so she was the she we pointed this out she she was like um they waste a lot of paper in in canada and north america and uh, that became very evident to me as well and uh, it's it's truly mind boggling because it scares me because i know paper is coming from trees and you have to cut down mm-hmm. trees to make it and you know uh, and i'm always like trying to figure things out and i when i saw others and i realized that the same process is not going on in their head i'm like but why not you know what was the difference that mm-hmm. made me think about it and made you not think about it why aren't you educated about this isn't it basic knowledge that everybody knows that paper comes from trees and trees are you know a valuable resource <laughs> i think like to i don't know interject at least like my own life experiences mm-hmm. is very much because we're taught like just pop it in the recycling. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I feel like I don't know if it's like a very North American or like maybe it's just my own personal mindset, but like very much have been taught like these ideas of just like well, it's not garbage if you put it in the recycling. That means it's fine. That means that you've put it in this bin where it will be transformed into something new that you will buy. Like you're going to buy this exact same paper again. So it's fine. And it's like <laughs> no <laughs> like like when you start looking into it a bit more and you learn um that's not how it works and there is still waste in that process and you know it's like so many of the notebooks i buy are new paper they're yeah. not i mean i try and look for ones that are recycled content more so now but like how many notebooks or just like a stack of lined paper is going to be new paper mm-hmm. you know because again it's like it's very much like a weird thing from my childhood i remember one of my teachers would always give us recycled paper and i'm sure the technology's gotten better or maybe she was just buying like the cheapest paper she could but it was always like so thin it was like newspaper mm-hmm. kind of like newsprint paper mm-hmm. and it was like that same kind of brownish color and like if you press too hard with your pencil like you just like rip the paper and you're like okay well this is crap like i'd rather use the new paper mm-hmm. um but then like you'd still take that new paper you'd use it and then you'd throw it in the recycling and say that's fine i'm just going to get recycled paper out of that mm-hmm. so i don't know i think that's kind of at least like my justification for so long has just been like it'll just be recycled or or order mentality i couldn't even tell you how many books and notebooks i have <laughs> could not could not let's talk about recycling because because in india recycling is not a thing 
you know i mean it's mm. not promoted or anything it's you have these little shops um where you can take your recyclables and sell it to them and you make money so that is a kind of an incentive for for us to recycle mm. that is something my grandfather had been doing so that's encouraged by us so we save our newspapers mm-hmm. and any cardboards and paper that can be recycled as well as like plastics and we know that is that it, it is getting recycled because we talk to them and they tell us that they sell it to these factories recycling factories and if it's not recyclable mm-hmm. they do not buy them so we know oh. it's getting recycled but please enlighten me on this brain <laughs> if i can say with air quotes brainwashing or you know like uh, this propaganda <laughs> of recycling in north america <laughs> well again we're kind of taught as like little kids um you have this plastic thing you don't want it anymore or it's broken or it's served its purpose you just toss it in the recycler and that's again like this magical bin that will take your problems <laughs> and it will not make them into trash it will make them into treasures <laughs> and that's not the case apparently apparently everything we've been taught is a lie yeah. and you can't trust <laughs> the adults <laughs> um because like and I think it's, like, pretty common knowledge, and I think it was, I assume it's pretty global, that, like, when you flip over a piece of plastic, there's that little, like, recycling, the chasing arrows mm-hmm. with the with the numbers in it. Is that where you are? Mm-hmm. You be yeah, have them okay. as well, yeah. I, I assumed so. I don't know, like, most of our stuff is made in China, so I assume around the world, <laughs> like, they kind of just, like, export to everywhere, but I don't know about world exports. I don't know about anything. I'm just a little idiot on the internet. <laughs> I think that sums me up pretty well. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so we're kind of taught to just, like, toss everything in the recycling, and then there was this, like, I don't know, I feel like it was a brain shift shift that happened, but turns out it wasn't, where it was, like, by the way, like, clean your recyclables before you toss them in the bin because or else they won't get recycled. So then that was the thought. It was like, okay, so we're throwing in all this plastic and it's getting recycled. And then we learned that, like, no, 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 it has to be cleaned first. So then that was getting recycled. And then we're like, okay, great, we're doing a good job. And now they're, like, coming out and they're like, but, like, black plastic containers aren't getting recycled because the conveyor belts are black. So, like, don't even bother with black plastic. You're like, well, what do I do with this black plastic now? Order. That's what happens. Um, or, um, I don't know, me and you, we both watched what I think was the same documentary, although, like, streaming in Canada and India was very difficult to find. Yeah. Um, and it was saying how, like, yeah, by the way, there's, like, seven numbers in these chasing arrows, and what was it, like, five of them actually mean non-recyclable? Yeah, they so yeah. Like, they need like special so machinery and special conditions to recycle them. Yeah, yeah, because the plastics industry has they well, it was like they refused to recycle some of the products because they would need the special machinery, and like some of the plastics, like they just can't handle being melted down and repurposed because they'll break down in the process, and then when the recycling industry went to the plastics industry it was like great can we just put a different symbol on the bottom so people know the plastics industry just said no 
They said the only other option you get is a plain triangle, which, like, looks the exact same. Yeah. So the recycling industry said, I guess we'll stick with this confusing numbers system. Yeah. And now we just have all this plastic that can't be recycled, but people keep thinking can be because no one's informing anyone about it. (laughs) And it's just all a really bad system. Yes. Like, what? And I talked to my mom about this, too. So I was like, Mom, did you know recycling is a complete lie? And she was like, Stephanie, please stop bringing these things to my attention. And I went, never. Oh, man. Uh, I bring so much doom and gloom into my mom's life. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mom. Love you. Um, but yeah, and she had said to me that what she always thought the numbers meant was how many times an item can get recycled, which I think is interesting because that's something I had heard as a child about glass bottles. Mm-hmm. There's like dots on the bottom of glass bottles and like the amount of dots I was told was like how many times it has been recycled or like how many times it can be recycled. Mm-hmm. So like clearly there's these weird like old wives tales about recycling that are just like being perpetuated by like storytelling. Yeah. And it's it's like, well, what if we just like sneak in some truth into these old wives tales and we just like sneak in like, hey, you can't recycle black. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was watching That's this... Um, my doc- understanding of recycling. Mm-hmm. I was watching this documentary where they um, they were like, most of the stuff that is thrown into recycling cannot be recycled, so it's either incinerated or exported to a third world country where they buy these uh, uh, garbage and waste and um, to in order to recycle, but they cannot recycle it either. So it's thrown so in landfills. So incinerating it. <laughs> either incinerated in third world countries or um, left unattended in uh, landfills. Um, and these symbols created uh, by the plastic industry, it's just to, you know, pacify the consumer and to make them believe that um, the fact that plastic is not recyclable plastic is damaging the planet uh, when all this uh, news got into media plastics industry wanted to save themselves so they came up with a system to you know just to pacify the consumer mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that is why recycling is a myth <laughs> <laughs> and you know you have to be aware of what is recyclable and what is not and uh, even if, you know, there's one contaminant in the batch, they would discard the entire batch, even if there is recyclable plastic in that. Uh, like, it like, doesn't even make sense. But, like, at to a degree, like, it does make sense. Because, like, if you think about the amount of plastic, and maybe in your life there's not much, because you're saying where you live, like, that's much less the culture. But, like, here, like, it's everywhere. Like, you walk into a grocery store and you can buy, like, an individually wrapped bell pepper. Yes. Why? Why does my pepper need to be individually wrapped? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. You know? And, like, so, yeah, it's, like, it's just, ugh. But you know what? Unfortunately, the culture was much better before here, but it's changing now, mm-hmm. and 
people have been using a lot of plastic lately especially with uh, you know online uh, uh, grocery shopping they need to maintain the condition of the groceries so they wrap it in a lot of plastic so that is very yeah. unfortunate and like and with covid as well like obviously an unavoidable experience that has happened and like shook the world and created a lot more plastic than there was before yeah yeah um because i i do think i mean maybe it's like a generation thing that like younger people are starting to be more aware of or like maybe not and that's just how i've been observing it but like the whole trend to be zero waste has definitely like been coming up and mm-hmm. like it's a lot more difficult now with covid because you know if i for example, I was really big at shopping at Bulk Barn. Mm-hmm. It's a Canadian chain. You can buy things in bulk. And they had a great program where you could bring in a glass jar or plastic container, whatever you had. Mm-hmm. As long as it was clean, they would inspect it to make sure it was clean. They would weigh it beforehand, write down the weight, and then you could fill it with whatever bulk product. And they would weigh it afterwards and just charge you for the amount of product in the container. Yeah, It was great. Yeah. I used it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I definitely cut down a ton of my waste doing that Mm -hmm. because I could buy things like loose leaf tea, which previously I had to buy in a plastic bag at the tea shop or, you know, whatever. Um, also, you would be buying only the amount like that are not. Sorry, you would. Sorry? Uh, I said you would also be buying only the amount of food that you would consume and not buy more just because the yes. the, the brand is you know the only size more. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like stuff like that, like isn't an option anymore because like you obviously can't bring in your own container to use when. COVID is rampant, mm-hmm. especially here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I do think that, like, unfortunately, COVID has made it a bit more difficult to be zero waste, yeah. but those mentalities are still, like, starting to be in place. And I think people are starting, sort of, like, with all the time spent at home, starting to become a bit more aware of, like, wow, how much garbage am I making and how much, mm-hmm. like, Like, food waste? Food waste is kind of insane. And Mm -hmm. the fact that, like, composting isn't so accessible everywhere, I think is pretty terrible, and I think that should be fixed. I think that if composting becomes much more accessible and people know how to compost and what to put into their compost, Mm -hmm. I think that could make, like, a huge, huge impact. Because, like, I don't know if this is something you've heard before. I have done little research on this lately but i have heard or read or whatever somewhere that the food breakdown in the landfills Mm -hmm. actually is like a huge um contributing factor in methane gas i think it is um and like because of the heat of the breakdown of the food it will also start landfill fires which obviously means that things like plastic and like weird chemicals are being burned Mm -hmm. and that's not getting filtered anywhere it's just going straight into the air and that's not great yeah so and if people had more access to compost i think that could actually be a really really good thing that is like so so simple of a way for people to be helping in an ideal world in my ideal world, in my head, every street would have a, like a community compost center or something. And, you know, every little tiny bit of organic waste that is produced by every household would be converted into manure and compost. 
Oh, that would be fantastic. Yes. I would love that. Yes, how, how amazing would that be? Yeah, like what you were talking about, sorry, uh, what you were saying about the methane, methane is actually about three or four times more potent than uh, carbon dioxide. So we are so educated about carbon dioxide emissions and how harmful that is for, you know, the greenhouse effect that's happening. Methane is so much more destructive than carbon dioxide. Yeah. So like clearly is an issue that needs to be addressed. <laughs> clearly. And it's not just the breakdown of um, uh, food uh, waste. It's also breakdown of paper and also recently bioplastic, like degradable plastic, biodegradable mm. plastic. If you throw it in the landfills and it's not, you know, um, uh, turned over or whatever, if it's just getting suffocated, it produces methane. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. People biodegrade your biodegradables. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, there's also, I mean, I, again, not a thing that I've done extensive research into, but I've definitely like looked into a bit, um, is like the whole meats industry. And like, I think it's starting to become much more known now how big of an impact, especially beef has on the world in general Mm -hmm. in terms of like farming and the classic like quote fact whatever that like cow farts produce (laughs) so much methane that like they are in themselves an actual contributor to global warming like whether we like it or not cow farts (laughs) could be the end of us (laughs) like I do think that's like kind of hilarious but also it's like (laughs) wow like are there that many cows on the planet like you know as someone who like I eat meat I don't eat it like super super frequently because I refuse to cook it for myself and therefore don't buy it in grocery shops or anything Mm -hmm. um I just like it's it's so interesting and like strange how if you go to the meat aisle of a grocery store Mm -hmm. you can instantly be so detached from the fact that like that was an animal (laughs) so like I have zero concept when I'm looking in say the pork section and I see sausages and bacon and pork chops and ribs I think Mm -hmm. you can buy pork ribs um I like I have no concept like how many of those packages of meat I would have to buy to make up one pig's worth of meat. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a concept I've ever had in my brain. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, like, if I walked by the meat section of a grocery store, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, maybe one cow, like, half a pig, some <laughs> chickens. But, like, like, it's probably much more than that. Mm-hmm. And I just have no concept, <laughs> you know? Because, like, and that's part of the whole industry is, like, like, you know, like, they they really aren't giving you this like slab of bloody meat and like a little cow's face mm-hmm. like they want you to be detached from it they want you to just see it as like food to put in your body yeah and like in doing so it detaches you as well from like you know, like the amount i guess and like how did that food come to be because like you know like sometimes you see the sticker and it's like grain fed but like i don't even know what that means <laughs> you know like I, I don't know what anything meat related means yeah <laughs> it just means meat it and i took me a very long time i remember probably being like nine or eleven years old and just like sitting there very like frustrated and confused and like having to get my parents to explain to me like what animal is pork 
Okay. And they were like, it's pig. And I was like, but bacon is pig. And they're like, yeah, that's pig too. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then like, what's beef? And they're like, that's cow. And I was like, wait, but why isn't it just called cow? What's <laughs> steak? Like, like that, that was a very confusing thing as a child. Like, I just don't understand. How are all these meats the same animal? <laughs> like, I had a friend tell me once that, like, I think she said that when she was, like, around the same age is when she, like, started getting into vegetarianism mm-hmm. because she had the realization that, like, chicken is chicken. <laughs> yeah. And so she started making these flyers or posters or something and, like, putting them up around, like, I think, like, probably, like, her house and her school. I'm not too sure. But literally just saying, like, chicken is chickens. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because it's, like, it's kind of this weird concept that, like, you really can eat chicken, and even though it's called chicken, you don't think about chickens. (laughs) Yeah. That's just, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I cannot relate to anything you have gone through because I grew up vegetarian and I still am a vegetarian. And Well, that's probably why your country's doing better than mine when it comes to waste. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I did get extremely curious about what meat tasted like when, you know, I was like about 17, 18. I was in that very curious stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did yeah. go around trying uh, different types of meats. But then I was like, okay, it is, I kind of get the idea. It is, it, it's, it could be delicious if it's an acquired taste. But then I could not stop picturing like, uh, while eating chicken, I could not stop picturing a, an alive hen just, you know, walking around like the ghost of the meat in my head. Oh, no. And I'm like, this is too much. I don't have to get converted into eating meat. I can just stick to doing whatever I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is like so much better for your body, for the planet, and for those chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ghost Uh, chicken was good ghost chicken is very good yeah i mean unlike clean and neat toronto canada we have like wild chickens and cows and stray dogs walking around on the streets so we actually get to see them on a daily basis and unlike you know like you have your petting zoos (laughs) i'm doing a finger quote while i say this I'm like, I have a petting zoo right outside my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you have, like, a lot more attachment to, like, the actual physical animal as a being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't say I've ever spent much time around live chickens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, although, like, I mean, it's not my experience at all, but my mom's experience, like, she grew up killing her own chickens. Ooh. Like, mm-hmm. that was how my mom and my aunts and my uncle grew up. Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, some part of their childhood. But, I don't know. And I guess, like, maybe because for them, they were able to just be like, this is the farm animal that we will eat. And, like, yeah. they grew up in rural PEI. So, like, you kind of did that, <laughs> to my knowledge. Yeah. That reminds me, like, Anne with an E. grew up. Sorry? It reminds me of Anne with an E. Oh. <laughs> okay, despite having PEI heritage, I've 
I don't think I've ever watched or read anything Anne of Green Gables. <gasps> I just know that she's like some girl <laughs> in PEI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm kind of like, I don't know, like, I've been to PEI. I know what's up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should engage in like the heritage and the culture of kind of my own people. I guess that's my own people. Uh-huh. Where my mom's literally from. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, we've gone off topic. <laughs> um, uh, what else did I have for you? Oh, baking soda. I have that written down mm-hmm. as a little buzzword for today's conversation. <laughs> um, because when I began my zero waste journey, uh-huh. back in I don't know, I want to say like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, totally inspired by a friend. Um, Jen, thank you, Jen. You're a you're a freaking badass lady. Um, I had like put out into the internet, "Hi, I'm going on a van life adventure, and I want people to challenge me to do different things." And she challenged me to go zero waste, which I thought was mm-hmm. going to be like the most intense, like difficult thing ever. And turns out is not. <laughs> um, it's very much just like take baby steps until you get there, and you'll be okay. Like you know, give yourself some forgiveness if you, like, slip up a little bit and remember that the big corporations are still the evil giants, but you have small impact. (laughs) Or, you know, possibly large impact. Um, but baking soda. Baking soda was, like, the one thing that I turned to for so much of, like, especially, like, my beauty routine, Mm -hmm. which I found really, really, truly shocking. Mm -hmm. And I know some people have, like, baking soda sensitivity, so they can't. For me, I was like homemade toothpaste, yeah. baking soda, yeah, homemade face scrub, uh-huh. baking soda, oh hell yeah, homemade dry shampoo, baking soda, uh-huh. homemade regular shampoo, baking soda, and then an apple cider vinegar rinse. Yes, like deodorant, baking soda, mm-hmm. everything, baking soda, mm-hmm. and I just think mouthwash, baking soda. Like <laughs> I just think it's like absolutely extraordinary how like this one thing, sodium bicarb. <laughs> I tried Googling it. It comes from the earth. It's biodegradable. Uh-huh. It can go down the drains. It's not going to cause microplastics. And it can literally be like so many swaps. Even like if your drain is clogged mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to go buy some chemicals to dump down there. No, put a bunch of baking soda mm-hmm. and then dump a bunch of vinegar and then pour in a pot of boiling water and plug for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Boom, your, tra- your drain works fine. <laughs> It kind of blew my mind. I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, why are we marketed so many different products yeah. that can all just be replaced by this white powder in a box? Yeah. I've definitely yeah. gone or down a rabbit white hole. white powder from Bulk Barn. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely gone down a rabbit hole of, you know, exploring about baking soda. It's so fascinating. Like you said, it can be used for, like, so many things. When you use it as a face scrub, your face is like a baby's butt. It's so smooth and yeah. soft. And I use it in my hair regularly. Except you can't do it too often. <laughs> yeah. Because then your face just gets raw because you <laughs> exfoliate it too often. And you exfoliate two or three times a week. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I get too raw, okay. then you can just cook me up and eat the meat. Because <laughs> she's a snack, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big 
Baking soda rocks. Uh, you, I, I would recommend everybody to go down a rabbit hole on the internet exploring baking oh soda. Gosh, it can yes. literally be used for everything. Fall in love with it. Hell yes. Honestly, like it's probably, I would say, a more addicting white powder than cocaine. <laughs> like, just so much better and so much cheaper. Oh my gosh. Like, if you're gonna fall in love with a white powder, let it be baking soda, for the love of God. Or, you know, whoever you, you follow. Um, but also, very fascinating, I could not tell you the company's name, I could not tell you if they are successful now or not, but when I had gotten into my baking so- soda rabbit hole, I was like, I started Googling, because I was like, naturally I want to know if my zero waste swap is actually a good swap or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, where does baking soda come from? And then I was like, okay, wait, what else is happening in the world with baking soda? Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was a company that had developed, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this. Mm -hmm. I really should look into this again, see (laughs) what they're up to. But they had developed a way of capturing CO2 emissions Mm -hmm. from large factories Mm -hmm. and somehow separating and doing whatever chemical process that was all like very safe and good on the planet to like separate things and make this co2 waste Mm -hmm. into baking soda Mm -hmm. and it all operated out of like these little factories that would be able to be put up beside the big factory that was out of a shipping crate like that's how small this operation was Mm -hmm. But at the time, because it was all very, like, new technology, it costed, like, a million dollars to get one of these, like, mini factories put in beside your factory to reduce your carbon offset. So no, not many people were going for it. Okay. But I just found it, like, really interesting to be like, oh, wow, so you've, like, literally found a way of, like, capturing waste and turning it into this usable product that I'm freaking addicted to. <laughs> like, wow, you're incredible. <laughs> Like, tell me more. <laughs> I mean, it's such it's a turn on the fact that it's natural and it's biodegradable, but the fact that it's, you know, helping another cause, converting the CO2 in the air and making it into baking soda is a bigger turn on. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, yes, daddy, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably wrap this up so our listeners don't hate us (laughs) (laughs) okay do we say my listeners we mean you mika hello (laughs) a one and only listener (laughs) (laughs) um our one and only amazing sound editor thank you mika we love you we love you mika (laughs) Uh, do we say the same time next week at the same time wait is that the one we're going with or was it Reusable oh yes trash bag. let's do that <laughs> okay wait are we doing it at the same time or do you No, i it? think we should just take turns to say it because the say it saying it at the same time is kind of inaudible i feel like okay wait pause i just had a new idea that i think could be good and remember folks don't be a trash bag be a reusable bag bye steph bye alicia